0: Welcome back. Welcome to Home on the RNG. I've always wanted to say it that way. And but now you have. Yay. We're also
1: joined by Chris Taylor. Hi. So that's it. That's the whole cast. Today we it's are for the best really. Wow. We are going back to the Game Boy today and we are talking about one of the few Game Boy JRPGs
2: that exists. Sword of hope. Yahoo. Am yeah. I supposed to be excited I, about that?
1: I, I don't know what response I was expecting. Okay,
2: That is a sword of hope as in a, a sword, like a weapon, not sort of hope. I sort of like, hoped that sort of hope would be
0: decent. Yeah.
1: <laughs> you
2: stole my joke. I hope you're proud of yourself. I mean, I am a
0: little. Okay. Good.
1: Anyway, let's go ahead and move into personal history. So I have no personal history with this. I didn't even know this game existed until I saw Chris put it on his Facebook page like a year ago or 2
2: years ago that he picked it up
1: at a garage uh, a garage sale?
2: Did I? No. Uh, well, I bought I I knew about the game because I bought Sword of Hope 2 like 20 years ago and uh and then I found sort of Hope One in in just a regular game store, but it was it was years ago. I must have been resharing or something. Sharing an old memory. <laughs> it must have been. I never find anything at garage sales
0: except like old lady clothes, <laughs> um, which I love, by the way. I mean,
1: I found several of form. the uh, Final Fantasy Legends at a yard sale. Ooh, once.
0: that's nice. exciting.
1: So, sort of Hope was developed by Kimco and published by Psyche. It came out in Japan in 1989 and in the U.S. in
0: 1991. And it was known as Selection in Japan, if I'm not mistaken. I believe it. Yep. Uh, selection selection with some kind of subtitle russ did you have any personal history i don't have no i don't have any personal history with this game what's funny what chris mentioned is that he bought sort of hope 2 many years ago and i never bought sort of hope 2 but that's the one that i had played before like in the past and so when you said that we were doing sort of hope for the next review i was thinking sort of hope 2 in my mind Mm -hmm. so when i played this one i thought well this isn't the game I played before and I'm not impressed. <laughs> I mean, not to have like spoilers for the for the end of this review, but It's
2: Selection Era Barishimono. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Pardon my pronunciation. Yeah.
0: And I wanted to point out I thought it was interesting that it was developed by Kimco because I thought Kimco was a company that didn't exist until it started making all of those. It's that company that makes, like, 4,000 mobile RPGs every year that are very generic-looking. Yes. And, like, have very weird names. And I didn't know that that company existed before, like, the 2000s when they started making those games. But apparently they've been around since 1984. Oh, yeah. So I got that History of JRPGs book from Bitmac Games
1: and or bitmap books and they mention kim Co, and they actually like there's thousands of them we're not gonna address them all but here's like five that are worth yeah, mentioning. yeah and i think i added a couple of those to our to playlist oh, but well, they
0: hate you they're at the end of the to playlist so when we're 70 yeah which means it will be like mm-hmm. in the retirement home reviewing them i'm probably okay with that Exactly. Enough of my mental faculties will have left me. While at we're point. still
1: waiting for Persona Six, mm-hmm. <laughs> not that
0: I have a lot of mental faculties right now as it is, but yeah, I was um, I was interested in the fact that Kimco has been around forever.
1: Chris, did you have any personal history with the game?
2: Uh, with this game, not a whole lot. Like I um, I, I have a lot of history with Chemco, that's for sure, because. <laughs> Uh, you guys go through something together? I mean, I, I guess. Was it a rough breakup? No, or are you a no, big, no. big As Divine Hearts fan? I, Funny enough, I've played most of those games oh, wow. for the other podcasts that I contribute to. We, uh, I, I'm te- technically the Chemco guy. So not only do I know about Chemco and X Create, which is the company that made the mm-hmm. As Divine series and uh, you know whatnot, but they also uh, team up with another team called Hitpoint, who make much better RPGs, but less frequently. Yeah. And That's probably for the best. I would rather play <laughs> a much better RPG less often. I, I like them, but I will admit they are all kind of middling. Um, even if they're good, I feel like they look so
0: generic yeah. that it like turns me off from even trying them.
2: But in the same era, when I first got a Super Nintendo and we were renting games, I was like, well, I, I naturally gravitated towards anything adventure looking. So one of the first games I played was Lagoon which I was remember Lagoon published by Kemco yeah. not Kemco Seca but Kemco I mean Kemco is largely a publisher mm-hmm. and in the in the um in sort of Hope they actually are also the developer which occasionally happened and I think what it is is that they saw Shadowgate which they had converted from yeah. a, an older Apple II game that was developed you know on the west hemisphere and uh they were like we could do this too, but it needs to have RPG battles. (laughs) And so literally they were just like, okay, we made Shadowgate with RPG battles. By the way, it's (laughs) for the Game Boy. right?
0: (laughs) And oh, did they add some RPG battles. (laughs) They did. They really felt like that was the selling point, apparently. So let's go ahead and get into actually reviewing the game.
1: Yeah. and, And move into story and characters. When an imprisoned dragon brainwashes a king in order to aid his escape and spread darkness across the land, only the prince raised in secret in the woods can save the kingdom. So I haven't done this before with any other game, and I—I I
0: feel d- like that was one eighth of the
1: backstory,
0: not of this even. game.
1: <laughs> the prologue to this game—it's on the Game Boy. The yeah. prologue screen comes up and has enough content for like three more games. The it, it does go on. I have it here. I have the entire prologue copied here, and I'm going to read it. All right. The setup for this game
2: has more plot than the entirety of Arcana, by the way. True. What do you you need to know about Arcana? It's you're a guy and you got cards. By the way, you are a card. Yeah. (laughs) What a card.
1: (laughs) Here is a legend of one chosen by destiny who must destroy a looming darkness returning the light of a kingdom. There was a brave king who ruled the peaceful country of Rikar, who, one day, became overwhelmed by an evil dragon. The dragon had once been bound by the hex of a sword thrust into the heart of his likeness. But the beast was able to instill strong visions of wisdom and power in the king, which brought forth the hidden evil in his heart. The dragon soon had complete control of him. The possessed king was then urged to remove the sword from the ancient painting, and when he did, darkness spilled over the land. The country declined greatly as fear in its people increased. The dragon summoned the evil power mammon and commanded that he turn the people into trees. It was truly dark across the land, but there was a ray of hope, the birth of Prince Theo. The king grew angry at the prince, for on his left arm was a birthmark shaped like a dagger. This omen made the king rage, until one day he drew his sword with intent to bring it down upon the prince. A brave knight named Paschal was astonished and risked his own life to rescue Prince Theo. Paschal then fled with the prince to the forest. For fortunately there were three powerful magicians who, to prevent the evil from spreading, concealed the king and his castle underground one of the magicians had retrieved the sword of hope which had been pulled from the painting then three magicians secured themselves behind locked gates time has passed the tide is turning now a
2: truly important mission awaits you on the game boy yeah so like half a sentence at a time (laughs) oh my god that, that just, is two games yeah, right there. They just had to wait for him
0: to turn 16 so that he could start on his brave mission to take down his father.
1: Uh, an average playthrough of the game is about 11 hours, which is the same amount of time it takes to beat Quest 64.
0: <laughs> for the same amount of time it takes to read that prologue as well. My
1: God. That is
0: so much story. Yeah, that is way too much story for the game that we are then presented
1: Russ, tell us about the characters. You mean the character,
0: Theo? Uh, There's three magicians as well. The character and Pascal and the trees that you can talk to. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I mean, I guess that was, I guess, I guess I enjoyed that they followed through on the fact that people were turned into trees. I mean, that was interesting. But other than that, there's not, uh, not really much to say other than Theo. This is, this is where I realized that we were not playing Sword of Hope 2 because the title it was, didn't because, give it away well because it was just there was no party oh you get a party in two mm-hmm. there are more people to talk about but here it's just theo who i guess doesn't need a personality after you've just spent 11 hours reading that introduction <laughs>
1: you feel like you have
0: all the knowledge you need yeah. of theo i wanted to know anything about any of those other people mentioned in the backstory
2: I gotta wonder if the instruction book has just like this full biography on them that you know you're supposed <laughs> yeah. to keep in mind. That's usually where they hid that stuff.
0: Mm. His favorite dessert is pudding. Oh boy. His blood type is AB. They do blood types a lot. I've found. Japanese like
2: blood types. It, yeah. It's kind mm. of, as I understand in Japan, it's a little bit like an astro, like what we right. consider astrological star signs. It's just like some personality sorting BS. Oh, I couldn't date a type A blood type. You know what they're yeah. like. Yeah, exactly. I don't even know my blood type. I
1: don't either. Uh, I only know mine because we had to find out when my dad was real sick mm-hmm. if we mm-hmm. could donate my liver. Ah, gotcha. I'm a... Yeah, yeah
2: I'm I'm a, O-negative, which is the good one. I'm a, I'm a giver. Yeah, my
0: mom is, so they
2: want her blood real bad. <laughs> yeah. I'm a Libra, but my blood type is Sagittarius. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um so let's go
1: ahead and talk about the combat system.
0: And what a combat system it is. Did they did they want to do anything with this game besides just make you fight enemies over and over and over again?
2: I seem to remember there was a magic list. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Actually so the magic Mm. Each
1: spell has four different spell Levels and uh level one Will a level one spell Will occasionally hit the person who casts It instead uh we love to see it Sucks until it happens to an Enemy and then you're like ha ha Level two always hits the Enemy level three Hits you for a little bit of damage And the all the enemies for a lot of damage And level four only hits All the enemies for a lot of
0: damage I mean, I haven't seen it been done before or since, probably for a good reason. Yeah, this. is I mean, I the, guess you can have like AOE effects and. This, this games is the that first JRPG I've
1: ever played, where I went out, got in the first combat, and had my butt handed to me, mm-hmm. and I
0: killed myself
1: trying to cast a fireball spell.
0: <laughs> I mean, what do you expect when you've been raised in forest by an old man and a bunch of talking trees? I sort of hope this fireball hits the enemy. Yeah. <laughs> When
1: you encounter more than one type of enemy, sometimes they will fight each other as well as you.
0: So, like the enemies aren't all the, all in the same team. So that's where Final Fantasy thirteen got it from. The wonderful Final Fantasy thirteen. Oh, I was trying to remember what the hell with thirteen. It's the hallway one. Got it. Yeah, the the one where you run down a hallway for forty hours. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the enemies are fighting each other. I guess they got all their inspiration for that game from Sort of Hope. Actually, they probably played Sort of Hope, and they're like. Why do you have to explore? <laughs> <laughs> Walk around in all these different directions. Why don't we just have enemies fight each other and you run in a straight line? Anyway, so in terms of actual combat, it's basically Dragon Quest
1: One, except there can be up to three enemies at a time. That's it. That's the combat. Yeah. And, so, drag,
2: so Dragon Quest Two. And when you cast hurt, then it's it's not specific. Yeah, <laughs> somebody's gonna hurt if I cast this right. the thing that really bothered me about the
0: combat is first of all it took me a hot minute to figure out that like the little dot on the screen where you move is supposed to show you if like an enemy encounter is in that area but it's not 100% but reliable It does not no it actually doesn't do anything and then you can be like exploring a screen like clicking on things and then it's like oh suddenly you're in a battle again Like they really tried to pad out this game with just fighting battles in a battle system that is not doing anything interesting. So there's actually the random encounters in this game suck. Mm -hmm.
1: There's three types of random encounters in this game. One is where an enemy will block your path going to the next screen. Mm -hmm. You will try to go somewhere and that's what the black dot is supposed to represent. There's an enemy in your way. You fight them. And then you can try again where there might be a new enemy in your Mm -hmm. way and you have to fight them. Uh, The second one is sometimes you will arrive on a new screen. Oh, good. I successfully got to the new screen and immediately get into a battle. Sometimes you will be exploring the interactive options you have on a screen and you will get attacked. It is possible, and it happened to me, to have five combats in a row without moving to
0: the next screen. Yeah, yeah. That seems pretty common. And when we say screen, we mean a tiny little, what feels like single pixel dot (laughs) in the left-hand corner of the screen. There's like a picture of a tree or something. So I want to move into innovations
1: and discuss that. Do we have anything left to say about combat in this game? No, I,
0: I don't know who's idea it was that this was going to make a point-and-click adventure more interesting
1: well let's go ahead and talk about innovations so as we've alluded to the look of this game is very different from normal and i'm going to kind of hijack this a little bit to do the history of video games in the beginning, there were text-only adventure games. I was going to take a nap. Zork, uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, these sorts of, the where you, it's all text. Uh, leather Goddesses of Phobos, another classic example. What about the Leather Goddesses of Deimos? There's not one, but there is a Leather Goddesses of Phobos, too, that is not a text adventure. Okay. Um, and then eventually, of course, thanks to Sierra and uh, Haunted Mansion, I think, they, we developed computer graphics for video games. You really are telling the history. Mm-hmm. But there's an in-between step. Uh, and anybody who's played Deja Vu or The Uninvited on NES or any of the Legend Interactive games, uh, Spellcasting 101, Eric the Unready, the Super Hero League of Hoboken on the PC, is familiar with this where there is now graphics, kind of. It really borrows heavily from like Windows 3.1 when you would have individual windows all over Mm -hmm. the screen. And in the upper right will be the scene you're looking at, taking up maybe a fourth of the screen if you're lucky. And it's a static image of the environment that you're in. On the left side is a column of potential actions that you can take and objects that you can interact with in the scene that you're in. The bottom third of the screen is the running commentary. So if you looked it's just the description of what's Mm -hmm. there and then there's also going to be a compass crammed in somewhere to let you know which directions you can leave the screen from it's a busy look
0: but i would say that in a game like deja vu or like shadowgate it works
1: it mostly worked when it was used on pc and the nes but it's not a style that stayed around for long it is it is very busy And it communicates a lot of unnecessary detail all the time. And it's maybe not a screen that works on the Game Boy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Who the hell looked at... Okay, we got six windows of information. Let's put them on a tiny portable screen. It really is... There is... Oh, my God. The images are so small, you can't see what you're dealing with. I mean,
0: I played this on an emulator. Can you imagine playing it on an actual Game Boy? I did.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So you can. I can imagine.
0: With my memory. Did you have to use your Game Boy Light and Magnifier? magnifier.
2: I, I had a, a backlit Game Boy by that point, but okay. yeah, that would have been a nightmare. <laughs> but I mean, everything was a nightmare with a little worm light or whatever. You just made do with it. <laughs> so, How death, did we survive? How did? I had the Magnifier with the light. <laughs> yeah,
0: I had the Magnifier with the light, too. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> That's how we made it through the 80s
1: and 90s. Death in this game is pretty negligible. Uh, I mean, when you die, you're teleported back to the starting house, your health and MP are set to 20. But all you have to do is walk two screens to the right, and there's a guy who will heal all of your stats up for Mm -hmm. a set number of gold, and then you go back to where you're going. So grinding becomes a matter of go as far as you can, die, repeat. Until you get further, like Quest 64. Yeah, yeah. There's also a lot of hidden objects in this game, like a mm-hmm. lot of hidden items. And you can't find them unless you look grass in every scene, look tree, look mud. And you. there is no hint or indication of when that will actually get you something, which is really
0: obnoxious. I always like to look in the mud.
2: You know, it would help if they had like maybe a, a screen showing... The scene that you're in so that you can like maybe see a clue or something like that.
1: Instead of generic force scene right. number 73.
2: <laughs> right. Trees. Yes.
0: I look more trees.
1: There is a maximum gold limit of 255 pieces of gold. Oh boy. I, wonder, I wonder how that happens. Zelda rules. <laughs> right. But after ha- the halfway point in the game or so, you no longer need gold for anything but healing. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of pointless.
2: That's a lot of RPGs though.
1: <laughs> it has... A password system. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's a Game Boy. For me, the idea of a Game Boy or any handheld is it needs to be something that can be turned off at a moment's notice. You're out Mm -hmm. on the go with it. I'm picturing you're the kid playing it in the car on a road trip, right? In order to save your progress in this game, you have to teleport to the shaman and ask the shaman for your password, which is a very long series of symbols that you will then have to write down. So you're in the car. (laughs) And your dad says, all right, turn it off. We're going in to get something to eat. Hold on just a couple minutes, dad. I got to finish this fight, teleport back to the shaman, and then can you lend me a pen and paper? I'm going to need a pen and paper before I can turn this off.
2: Because we don't have camera phones in this era. We certainly don't. Unless it is this era, in which case that scenario becomes way more hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) It is inexcusable for a a portable game not to just have a save and
1: quick save function.
2: Well, at least a, a portable RPG, certainly.
1: Yeah, anything that's going to take you. I was talking with my friend Rachel the other day because we've been playing some old NES games. Anything that takes longer than ninety minutes needs a save or password system. And for a portable system, a password system is unacceptable. Mm-hmm. This is this is the hill I will die
0: on. And not to mention, doesn't it have like it has like weird symbols in it. Yeah, like Greek letters or what look like Greek. Yeah, letters. Yeah, it's not even just letters not, and numbers. Right. It yeah. is symbols. So that you're you- like drawing. The Omega symbol yeah, in your notebook.
1: And then finally, I wasn't sure where this would go in the review, but Innovations is where everything goes that we don't know what the hell we're doing with. The last dungeon in this game is awful. Mm-hmm. I was, this is one of the very few games I was not able to beat. I just, I could not beat the game. Going forward, I'm just going to take your word for
0: everything that you're saying. You didn't get to the last dungeon? I did not get to the last dungeon, no. I understood what this game was doing (laughs) before
1: I got to the last dungeon. The last dungeon is incredibly long and complex with random teleporting rooms. They're not labeled. You just step into them and whoop. And there's an enemy called a druid. The druids are practically immune to all physical and magical attacks unless you've leveled up enough to have the most powerful spell in the game which is a lot of leveling Uh, i was nowhere close and i was doing fine in all the dungeons and then i stepped in here and met the druids i went online to look at walkthroughs how do i deal with druids and they say if you all every walkthrough i found said if you encounter a druid run, run away if you encounter two or three druids in a party you're gonna die period. Mm-hmm. So it really is trying to get through this final dungeon which is long and complex and hoping the RNG is on your side and you don't encounter this one very common enemy throughout the dungeon. It's not uncommon for JRPGs to have a huge difficulty spike in the final dungeon, but this is absurd. I can't get through three screens of this final dungeon and the dungeon before it walked right through no problem.
2: Was the final spell called hurt
0: more? <laughs> No, but that's how I felt. Uh, yeah.
2: It's no wonder they only ported the second game to the 3DS. The,
1: the last dungeon ruins this game. Like, it was, a, it was an okay experience. It was It was not enthralling me, but it was fine. It was a perfectly acceptable, portable JRPG experience until that final dungeon
0: where it's like, no, you can't do this. Definitely wasn't enthralling me. Not after I read that prologue. And then saw what I was presented with after.
1: Yeah, it's, it's a strain to play this game visually. Mm-hmm. And then it's a strain to beat the final dungeon mentally. Did we have anything else we wanted to talk about before we
0: bring in our musical expert? I'm glad this game is out of my life and I can go back to confusing it with sort of Hope too. <laughs> <laughs> well, then let's talk music.
2: To intro myself hello i am a music liker um <laughs> this is <laughs> okay so here's the thing about sword of hope one um if you start playing this game and you recognize the name kem then you'll be like oh okay this sounds like shadowgate like this makes perfect sense so the game itself does not have any credits and therefore there's no officially stated composer for the game However, looking at Kemco Seika and looking at, like, their other conversions and original games and things like that, and just listening to the sound, then you, you can tell it's one Hiroyuki Masuno, who basically was, like, Kemko's guy in terms of, like, their, and their 8-bit and on through some of the 16-bit stuff, like, you know, Draken and uh, uh, Dragon View, but going on as early as, like, you know, Ghost Lion and, again, the Shadowgate, Deja Vu, Uninvited games so his 8-bit sound is very much uh, defined by a little trick that composers used back then where they would make the melody have an echo effect because what they would do is you know because all a lot of the 8-bit music at the time was uh, two square waves a triangle wave and a noise channel so your square waves like where your melodies come from and they can sound identical So a trick that composers used is they would play one note on the square wave and then the exact same note a little later, thus creating what we guitarists call a delay effect. You'll know the delay effect in practice because it's like all shoegaze and indie rock uses that on their guitars and like U2's The Edge Uh, sounds like he's playing a wall of guitars when he's just playing like a little, a dinky little chord, but he has a a delay pedal that's sending it into like the stratosphere. And (laughs) um, so this is kind of the edge of, of video game music back then. Because everything that this guy did, you know, it wasn't a whole lot of harmonies. Because he would dedicate both of the sa- the uh, melody channels to making an echoey effect on everything. And then he would just uh, play it in a, in a basic arpeggio. And yeah, that was basically the sound. Uh, I don't really have to describe it too much because... If you've heard Shadowgate, if you've heard Deja Vu, you know, any of that kind of stuff, Ghostline is also like this. You'll know the sound, and if you don't know the sound, then I, I just described it, and it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> <laughs> also, we keep mentioning The Uninvited,
1: Deja Vu, and Shadowgate. I learned recently you can get the three of them as a very cheap bundle on the PS4. It's yeah. like it was like ninety nine oh, cents when I got it for the three NES games. So if you want to see this graphical effect done decently,
0: yeah. this I would graphical say, layout, well, I enjoyed me some Shadowgate and some yeah. Deja Vu the back Gate's in the day.
1: Yeah, I enjoyed. De- I remember in Deja Vu particularly, we're talk- we're just having memories of better games now. Yeah. There's a, a mugger who tries to steal your money, and you encounter him three times in the game. And the first two times, you can avoid him by just punching him in the face. <laughs> right? The first yeah. time you punch him in the face, he goes away. The second time he shows up with a black eye, you can punch him in the face and walk away. The third time, he's got, like, the bandage over the nose, the black eye, and if you try to punch him in the face, he shoots you and you die.
2: Nice. <laughs> yeah, that, let that be a lesson to you. I don't know. Yeah, the only, <laughs> only <laughs> punch them twice. Yeah. At least in America. So uh yeah, all said and done, like the Sword of Hope soundtrack, it's pretty decent. It's I, I like it. I mean I like all these kind of soundtracks. I love the effect, uh, you know, all of Hiroyuki, Hiro Hiroyuki Masuno's uh work is like awesome to me. Uh, it and it, it the effect, the echo effect, does actually fill out the sound really well. But, you know, sort of Hope is mostly mellow. Battle themes are, pre, are fairly exciting, but most everything else is just this kind of, you know, a slow arpeggio with, like, kind of the remaining soundtrack, you know, tracks available, filling out kind of a, a counter melody. It's very chill as a soundtrack, I'd say. But, you know, nothing super impressive or anything. I
0: how the composers felt back in the day when they were like, oh... These people made this other piece of crap game <laughs> and we have
2: to make some music you, for it and think, we're gonna do a really good, decent to great job. I think uh, that what it was is that, you know, they didn't get to see it until it was basically done, so they were just like, Play or here's music for a forest, here's music for a cave, here's music for a town. And you know, then at the end they were like, Oh, this is what that music's going towards. <laughs> sort of hope. Yeah. I'm so excited my name is on this. <laughs> It wasn't though. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. true.
0: Please don't put my name on this. Maybe he
2: paid for the anonymity. Ooh. He was like, look, you can have the music for free. Just don't tell anybody my name out of it. Call me when you're making Bugs Bunny Crazy Castle.
1: Or Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah. We'll go ahead and move on to our final thoughts then and put this entire thing behind (laughs) us.
0: Well, I mean, my final thought is that I wish we'd played sort of Hope 2, because that's what I remembered in my mind. I didn't finish this game. It uh, it was definitely an experience, but I will probably not be playing it again. And I give it one tree turned into a human out of five.
2: I actually, I haven't beaten this game either, but I do plan on going through it at some point because I really, I would like to play it and sort of Hope 2 kind of back to back. But you know that's for another day that could never happen so <laughs> i don't have a rating system i'm just gonna say it's cool check out the soundtrack before the final dungeon
1: i was planning on giving the game a b i found it to just be a very it was a good time waster right it was interesting because it was different from most jrpgs and it didn't require a lot of thought like it was really just a thing to pass time with and i was kind that's of enjoying that is a it
0: glowing that. endorsement so far time waster you don't really have to think about it
1: yeah, the, the grinding was just very like, I'll watch a TV show while playing this in the background. It's fine. But after that final dungeon, I have to give it a C. Uh, I, I hate that none of us were able to finish this <laughs> game, but, you know, sometimes you just can't.
2: I mean, C is good for Kimco.
1: Yeah, I, I feel like I'm being nice to it by giving it
0: a C because I did enjoy it up to that final dungeon. Take that as Divine Hearts, which <laughs> is the only Kimco name I actually know the the game that I know the name of
1: now, Russ. If they want to play Sword of Hope One, where can they play it? I mean, I guess you can get a Game
0: Boy and play it on that. I am not. Uh, I am not familiar with the re-release history of Sword of Hope.
1: There is none, Russ. You know the re-release history of every game we've ever done.
0: Like, I, like I keep saying, I thought we were playing Sword of Hope Two, so <laughs> I did not. Uh, do not know. All right, well, before we sign off, we can go
1: around and do some plugs for other media, other things that people would like. Uh, I I have gotten into the TikTok lately, and I wanted to mention three TikTok people that I really like, real quick. Um, oh, mercy. So, and I'll put these in the description so you don't have to worry about spelling these. I'll, you know, if you're curious about looking up my TikTok people, you could just look in the description for the episode. Flickerspark writes skits where she plays Death and... All of the other characters' deaths, receptionist Martha, and all of the various people and gods that she encounters along the way. The dialogue is written to go hundred miles a minute. It's Death at Stars Hollow, essentially. I find it really enjoyable. Mister Kurt Wise mostly does he acts out D and D skits silently, and he plays all of the characters with different costumes and prop changes to be the different party members. And it usually results in the bard just busting a move. uh, And it's very enjoyable. And then there's Megan Siafree. She just dresses up as a pirate and has more fun doing it than I've ever had with anything in my life. And it's just fun to watch somebody having that much fun dressing up as a pirate.
0: These are the sort of moments that make me feel old. Because I kind of think, what is happening to our society? (laughs) We're just, for fun, watching a woman dress up as a pirate. She's having In, a really good time. I'm sure she's having a great time. No no disparage against her. I've not seen these TikToks, but uh, I'm new to the TikTok game.
1: Press just signed up 30 minutes ago. I really did. Yeah.
0: Did you have any media that you would like to... I'm not going to plug anything on the Sword of Hope episode. Um, <laughs> you want to have your name taken off? I want, yes, much like Yuki, I want my name taken off the Sword of Hope episode. And I'm going to save my recommendations for a couple of upcoming episodes of Much Better Games.
2: I'm going to shout out uh, Kemco itself and say that uh, you should play all of the games that they they have available now. A sample of which include Archline Saga, Ever Dark Tower, Alvastia Chronicles, Antiquia Lost, Armed Emeth, As Divine Dios, As Divine Hearts, As Divine Hearts 2, As Divine Kimura... Bonds of the Sky, Citizens Unite, uh, Earth X Space, Crystal Ortha, Dragon Sinker, Fern's Gate, Dragon's Odyssey, uh, Legend of the Tetrarchs, uh, Marinian Tavern Story, Patty and the Hungry God, Mom Hid My Game, Mom Hid My Game, too, uh, Monster Viator, Over Rogue, Revenant Saga, Sea Hearts, Sephirothic Stories, and Sword of Elpisia. El- El- very nice i didn't know that
0: as divine was a whole uh was a whole series oh, there yeah. <laughs> i
2: like, might have
0: to jump into those i also like, didn't realize that these games were on the switch yeah i've got 25 of
2: them right here Very yeah nice.
1: you, for, you can't see it at home guys but it, while russ was talking about not wanting to plug anything chris <laughs> pulled out his switch and just started listing off things from his library well i
0: have my the rest of my summer planned now <laughs>
1: So, uh, since I mentioned earlier the, the Bitmap books history of JRPGs, I do have the notes for the Kimco games that they recommend as particularly good uh, Dragon Sinker, Dark Gate, if you like job class games, uh, Alvesta Chronicles, if you like recruiting characters, uh, and Rusted Emrith for uh, it's basically a post apocalyptic I, series. I want
2: to I wanna quickly echo that alvastia chronicles shout out they talk about how many characters you can recruit they also should mention the type of characters you can recruit you can have a dresser as in your party oh nice like a chest of drawers <laughs> nice it also I says that, that your
1: party can be contain up to 13 people
2: yes but you don't want the people you want the weird things there's you can <laughs> you can have a house plant in your party it's amazing that's nice. Okay. Yeah. Seriously. Summer planned. There you go. As
0: Divine Summer plus whatever that one is where you can recruit a dresser. <laughs> Alvastia Chronicles. Alvastia Chronicles.
1: All right. So we will see you next time when we are talking about a cross that's been chrono Yay. This is this is why I delayed my plug until our next episode. You want to talk about it in the Chrono Cross yes. review? Russ may not be happy with me in the
0: Chrono Cross review. So stick I around. I understand criticism of Chrono Cross. It's fine. It just it bounces off of me. It's like water off a duck's back. Yeah. We'll, we'll see you guys there. Thank you. Bye. Home on the RNG is a presentation of Mad Centaur Productions. You can find Jeff on YouTube at youtube.com slash productions. or on Twitter at Jeff Centaur. You can find
2: Russ on Twitter at RussMac25. You can find Chris on Twitch at witch.tv slash liar exaggerate or on twitter at enrich flavor thank you for listening and remember to save your game before powering off this podcast